the story of a boy who dreamed of becoming a man, but dreamed up a monster instead. It has hunted you since the summer of 1994, back when we confessed who we were through mixtapes, when every movie at the video store had dirty heads. You were 13 and thought you knew who you were, only the shadow with too many teeth knew you better. It still does, and it won't stop, not until you come home, back to where it all began. Part cosmic horror, part coming of age story, Dirty Heads is a terrifying read from the author of House of Size, The Fallen Boys, and A Place for Sinners, out now. Tor Nightfire, publisher of Dark Stars, New Tales of Darkest Star, a novelette collection edited by John F.D. Taff. Dark Stars features 12 brand new stories showcasing today's top horror talent, from award winners and new voices like Stephen Graham Jones, Priya Sharma, Usman T. Malik, Caroline Kepnes, and Alma Katsu. Dark Stars is an homage to the classic horror anthology Dark Forces, edited by Kirby McCauley. All you have to do is sign up for Nightfire's monthly newsletter and follow them on social media. At Tor Nightfire on social and tornightfire.com. From the host of This Is Horror Podcast comes a dark thriller of obsession, paranoia, and voyeurism. After relocating to a small coastal town, Brian discovers a hole that gazes into his neighbor's bedroom. Every night she dances and he peeps. Same song, same time, same wild and mesmerizing dance. But soon Brian suspects he's not the only one watching and she's not the only one being watched. They're watching is the Wicker Man meets Body Double with a splash of Suspiria. They're watching by Michael David Wilson and Bob Pastorella is available from thisishorror.co.uk, Amazon, and wherever good books are sold. Josh. Hey, Josh. Hello. Hey, guys. Hello, everyone. Hey, John. Hey, what's up, Tef? Is everyone here? Uh, except Langan is a uh, cartoon. Oh, there, there he is. is. What's yeah. up, John? What a rude thing Listen, to say to John. I know. Another <laughs> thing, Taff. I want the red M&Ms, okay? If that prima donna Mallerman can show up and get whatever he wants, okay, I want the red M&Ms. Okay? We've had, this, we've had oh. this discussion before, John. Hey. You can't have the red. The greens. The greens. Hey, it, hey, Josh. Hey, good to see you, buddy. How you doing? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Did I say preening prima donna? No, is that? <laughs> yeah. I totally meant it. I totally meant oh. it. Oh, you have no idea how, how on the nail you were. <laughs> is that a reference to like one of those contract things where in a clause you're trying to see if the, the publisher is paying attention? 
So you add something weird like just red M and M's. Just red M and M's, exactly. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's it. And I'm still waiting on my goddamn red M and M's. John, I thought you were a nice guy. You are. Dish. Oh my god, which 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 John? I mean, take you. You, pick, you have you know? got to know. You've got to know, Mister Langan, that those red M and M's now are on their way. Yeah, yeah, my ass. They're on their way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> on my ass. <laughs> be so melted when they get there. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've taken this podcast right to PG-13. I'm really sorry Already. about that. We may, go, we may go right over into hard R. I don't know. Oh, no. we'll see what happens. And here we go. I'm starting off with a drink. Oh, okay. To all of you. Right. Cheers. I've got so I would John, toast you with uh, water, but that's bad luck. Only I can lift uh... Thor's hammer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Wow. If you toast oh, someone with water, it means they're going to die a watery death. So I'm not going to do that. That's horrible, and especially since I'm hey, all, true? completely inland. Yeah, that well, I'm, I don't make the rules, man. I oh, just... We've been talking for four minutes, and Langan just said the scariest thing I've ever heard. If you tear someone in the water, you send them to a watery death. Or, or you die the watery death. I'm not 100% sure about that, so I also don't want to die a watery death. So, now I feel responsible I'm, for what happened to my Uncle Bill. I totally... Uh -oh. <laughs> it, it was, it was. And you thought you I could thought... novelize it in that house under the lake thing and get away with it. <laughs> you could make a cheap buck off. We're on, on to you. I totally, I cheered him with water and he drowned in the rain. <laughs> yeah, We are on yeah. to you now, Josh. Imagine if every single book is really just Josh's telling of a murder that he committed <laughs> in the past. Uh, ooh, On like tour that. while recording with his band. <laughs> well, I will say that Laird Barron has floated the theory to me that Stephen Graham Jones is actually a serial killer. Makes and all sense. these serial killer books that he's writing, they're just confessions. And he's just right. tooling us. He's just like, this is me. And we're all like, oh, Stephen, you're so meta. And then when we wind up, you know, covered in saran wrap while he's holding the knife, we're going to be like, wow, excellent cosplay, dude. And it's all You know there's got to be, if it's not him, you know somebody's got to be doing it out there. And we're like on the witness stand. This is unbelievable. The yeah. This should be a book. This episode's, about, this episode's about to turn into a game of Clue real quick. Brennan, start off with that question, by the way. That was a really good one. We talked wow. about Wow. Right. Yeah, let's hope I can remember it. No pressure. Here we go. All right. Welcome. That'll be a good one. Hey, let's go, motherfuckers. <laughs> Welcome to Deadhead Space. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hello, everybody. Today, we're joined by three incredible gentlemen who are also incredible writers. Let's start with John Langan. Say hi, John. Hi, John. And let's say hello to John F.D. Taff. Say hi, hello. Taff. Hello, motherfuckers. <laughs> and of course, let's say hi to Josh Mellerman. Say hi, Josh. Hello, everybody. So polite. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> polite. Hold it. He's the most sedate one. That's that's not right. I was, I, yeah, I yeah, really, that was hard. I've never done something like that before. I've never <laughs> never spoken like that in my life. That was weird. I had a Vincent, a Vincent Price uh, kind I'm gonna of vibe. Try one. I'm going to try and thank you for having me. He needs that mustache. <laughs> Brennan, jump in, sir. I'm just waiting for Josh to start yelling. Um, what? So, <laughs> right. It's coming. Don't worry. It's totally coming. That's what she said. Go ahead, Brennan. Whoa. <laughs> oh. Wow. What is that? PG-13, Patrick. PG-13. Um, 
All right. So as Patrick mentioned, you guys have all been on before. You know that typically we start out with uh, what got you into horror, but you have all answered that already. Um, actually, in, in honor of having you back, Patrick, do you want to sing a verse of uh, the Welcome Back Cotter theme song? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm no, no. Just, I'm going to be very no, we don't want to hear you to any it. listener and singer. So no. All right. Now we're, we're, we're here to talk dark stars, uh, which is such an awesome anthology. John, don't pretend you don't know. And, uh, <laughs> no, like, I was just, I was a gonna, fucking cool cover. I was going to do the same thing. We're all like, we're all like, there oh, we go. Damn. Look I got the that. eight coffee. He's something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Man. Excellent. That is a shiny I'll, cover. I'll second that with the, uh, I like oh, that one. Uh, all right, that's this that's book cool. was hard to find. I like Brennan's cover, man. Did you see that? That was yeah. like gold, gold. Oh, hold on, I gotta grab something to show you guys. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he's gonna. Oh, here Josh is going to stash. Yeah. Right. yeah, the 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 one that I've got was hard to find, and it was sixty bucks, and that's a book club edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's it's a nice looking version. Uh, this was four ninety nine. Should have gone that way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that edition, Brendan, was was re-released. Um, yeah. When Primeval came out, and the oh, the, okay. the paperback of Primeval, because the cover designs are very very similar, and they were sort of piggybacking off like, because Primeval was like, oh, it's we're trying to you know pay homage to to Dark Forces, and so I think they were they were looking to you know, yeah, uh, bring that back and make a little a little money. Hey, what if it Stephen looks Graham Jones like this appeared? version is a uh, eighty nine. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm missing something. What if now Stephen Graham Jones's face just appeared where Josh is sitting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be fantastic. If Josh, would be fantastic. Josh just peels off his face and it's Stephen, and we're all like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. Anyway, I have this pretty badass paperback. Uh, where are you? I don't know. I'll have to send you guys photos. If one person could write as much as Josh and Stephen. I, I would say that they are an alien. So behind that mask is an alien. Or okay. then Stephen pulls off his mask and it's Josh all over again. Right. <laughs> yeah. Nesting dolls. Ooh, I like Nesting it. dolls, right. Malaman <laughs> and it's Malaman and Jones all the way down. <laughs> all right. So if I if I actually forgot the question before, now it's really gone. Um Oh, you know what? I want to start with with Josh's intro here. And I, I thought it was such a great line to kick the intro off. Horror is having a moment. So I, I want to talk about, you know, this is obviously, this anthology is a tribute to Dark Forces, the 1980, uh, you know, formative anthology that, you know, hit so many young readers. Uh, and, you know, I want to talk about why now is the perfect moment for this book to come out, because it really is. So, uh, Josh, I want to hear your opinion on it. Well, um, you know, some people would argue that the genre is always having a moment, and I, and I would agree, and I agree with that. I feel like, um, you know, if one of us were immortal and had actually been uh, writing for the whole duration of horror fiction history, and we'd all be like, dude, it's always been happening. There's always amazing shit. There's always energy. There's always like a classic of each generation. I get that uh, completely. But on that already sort of elevated terrain, there are still peak moments spiritually. Uh, maybe it's, um, uh, in this case, I think it's sort of like, 
it seems like rather than one figurehead like Stephen King sort of driving, uh, bulldozing through to the mainstream, it feels like there's a pool of like 60 or 70 of us that are all writing like regularly putting out good books and good stories. And I wouldn't say trying to outdo each other, but that sense of everyone's feeling that same, like, okay, I got to do it. I got to do it because they're doing it. And I got to do it. And that sense of we're all, we're all working at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you can feel it. It's, it's palatable. You can feel it when you sit down. It's that you're not just like, I'm going to just knock this one out of the park because I'm the only one in the field. It's like, no, it's like, holy shit. All right, let's, let's, you know, things are a little peaked and elevated in a great way. And you're reading each other's books and you're inspired by each other's books and you're excited as hell to get yours out and to see your friend's cover and to show your cover. Um, it just, it, it, it feels like, I, I, I guess what I would hope is that somebody would eventually like name this era. And I, I've, I've like spent, I feel like it's the kind of thing that has to happen accidentally. Um, I don't think it's like, well, I've decided guys, we're called the horror stars, you know? I think that it's like, you have to like, I think that someone else has to name like Splatterpunk or whatever, this moment in time. And I realize Splatterpunk is more of a subgenre, but you get what I'm saying. Like, this is a moment. And, and I feel like 30 years from now, I'm gonna be like, yeah, I was part of the <clears throat> moment, you know? And um, when, when I think about like, it's easy, I think, to think like, cause in 2014, Bird Box comes out. So it's really easy for me to think, um, oh, no, everything started when I showed up or, or, or like, is that all you like knew or something? Or, or if somebody put out a book in 2000, like, like what was going on before me? And before 2014, I was really on the road constantly with the band and this kind of thing. And I just, I didn't, I'd never been to one convention. I didn't know another horror author. There were two friends of mine in, um, that I would meet up, meet up with on the road. One was in Arizona and the other one was in, oh, uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And when the band came through those towns, I was all excited to see Jeremiah who would tell me his ghost story idea. And I would tell him the book I was working on. And when we got to Arizona, Ben, I was so excited to see Ben at the bar to talk. Oh my God, there's someone I can talk horror with. Like I didn't have Facebook then. I didn't have Twitter then. I didn't have, you know what I mean? So for me to step into this whole scene and be like, holy shit. Like all these fans and all these readers and all these writers. And then from 2014 to now, it feels like I've been like watching it just like every year is getting stronger and stronger and really has like peaked. I mean, hopefully it hasn't peaked at all, but has reached something in about 1920, 2019, 2020. <laughs> I feel like it's like something happened there and, and it's been happening the whole as far as I can see, since I've arrived, I've, I've witnessed this elevation the whole time. Yeah, I, I love the idea of just kind of that conglomeration, the uh, the fact that there isn't just one voice anymore. You're absolutely right. You know, uh, beyond the fact that my local Barnes and Noble now has a horror section again, which is wonderful. The Stephen King section of it is the smallest I've ever seen it, or at least the most compact that I've ever seen it. And, you know, I love King, but, you know, when you yeah. when it when the horror section only gets its three bays um, and, you know, it used to be Stephen King taking up 50 percent of those three bays. Um, it's kind of cool to see, OK, he's still got his two shelves because he's got enough material to fill it. But all the other stuff is there, too. And it's no, that, I, I haven't even thought of it. I mean, that's literally physical proof of what we're talking mm. about right now. It's just actual physical proof like this giant corporate bookstore is like we need more room for horror. There's more than just this one dude. Mm -hmm. 
And, and yeah. like, we all love, obviously we all love Stephen King, but then there's also this excitement of like, you know, I remember, um, I think it was like Ringo was saying that some, maybe like the clash or something said they didn't like the Beatles or something. And Ringo's like, they're, they're not supposed, they're like the next generation. They're supposed to say, fuck you to us. And, and, and we're not, and we're not saying fuck you to Stephen King, but we're excited to see, Hey, Hey man, there's more room than just you and Dean and Anne who I love. <laughs> I saw a Jeff Strand book randomly at a dollar general right down the road, this random suburban area in New South Jersey that most people probably haven't heard of. I've, I've seen a bunch of like Josh, obviously I've seen your stuff. I've seen a lot of people that all of us know and talk to in various stores, be mm-hmm. it used bookstores, uh, big chain stores, um, farmers markets. It's so cool seeing that I hunt. I used to just hunt books down. But now I try to see who I know and be like, oh, I don't have that one. Here we go. That goes on the shelf. It's a, it's a really cool time to be a reader because you can tell the writer, the creator, whatever, or other fans, uh, I, I love this. I love that. Mm-hmm. And then those spirals into so much shit. It's it's phenomenal. And Josh, you, I hear you say elasticity a lot. It's a That's a good example of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, not to answer what might be numerous questions down the road and not to take up all the oxygen in the beginning of this, but I don't think it's just, I think a major part of it is the diversity of voices for sure. There's a million new types of voices and that kind of thing happening. Mm-hmm. But there, there is also the word you just used, just the elasticity of all this. Like a lot of us writers grew up in the eighties with the horror boom, this kind of thing. So for us to come, it, it just wouldn't, it would be almost strange if we all just repeated what we read, what we grew up on. So it's only natural that we're all stretching from mm-hmm. there. And what's happening is when we're all stretching, like it's leaning, is this horror or is it thriller? It's becoming a little harder to define. The genre is becoming wider. Who writes it and who we consider writes it becomes wider and that kind of thing as well. Just, I want to add one thing and Amy, please jump in. It's like, you know, a lot of parents will say, I want better for my child. I feel like as a horror genre, like, when we, when we talked to like Peter Straub, he, he used to he used to talk to previous authors and then other guys would talk to him. And then we're talking to those guys and it spirals off and it's, mm-hmm. it feels like we're all on the same team running a race and we hand the baton or whatever the hell that stick thing's called. And you hand it off and you're like, yeah. here you go, do better. Um, so Taff now feels like a good time where you can jump in, man. Oh. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I got you, dude. I'm sorry. I'm just no, it seemed okay. like you were gonna jump in. <laughs> no, I think that's exactly you know, I I agree with all of that. And I think that that's why one of the reasons, at least, why we thought that that doing this right now would be a good idea to go back and, and, and revisit uh what Dark Forces had done in, in the early 80s. You know, the Dark Forces hit me when I was about 17. Uh, and I had just uh, moved on from science fiction to fantasy to horror. And, uh, you know, I was, I was reading King, I was reading Rice, I was reading Barker, I was reading Straub. And that, uh, that particular book, Dark Forces, really hit me at the right time. And it was really kind of one of the things that, uh, the first things that I could remember reading that, that I thought, I'd kind of like to try my hand at this someday. So in the same sense that, that Dark Forces was a really kind of a pivotal book for, for the genre, it was a, you know, personally, it was a pivotal book for me. So 
when you know Josh and I were talking early on, and this goes back, I don't know, four years ago, Josh, five years ago, when we started talking about this thing. Um, it just seemed like that was the right idea and the right time to do it. Uh, and you know, everything just kind of clicked into place. It was e it was remarkable how easy it was to get uh, the the authors we got because as soon as we explained it to them, they were like, "Oh yeah, great, I'm in." Except for Langan, he argued. Oh, a lot, a lot. I was like, "Where are my red M and M's?" And I'm still waiting. I'm still oh, waiting. Oh, you'll get them. <laughs> oh, they're coming. The red M and M's are coming. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it just seemed like a, it just seemed like, like a good idea, and it seemed like when we brought the idea to the people that we were uh, inviting, it it really resonated with them. So there must have been something, you know, out there that that kind of agreed with us that it was the right right time to do this and the right thing to do. Um, obviously, this is just my opinion, but there's there has been times when I've read anthologies from bigger publishers and it, it just it just felt like it should have been so and it's my expectation i'm sure you guys have experienced at some point but i thought it would have been a little bit more enticing throughout the entire book with mm -hmm. dark stars i no bullshit i loved it i thought it was just a fucking great time from start with josh's opening to ramsey campbell's ending um like amakatsu i i maybe it's just me but i didn't expect that type of story from her and i thought it was phenomenal and then <laughs> after i read it i'm like how couldn't i have um john langan uh, i'm gonna say if it's okay with you guys i'll say langan and taft just so there's no confusion that's fine um how dare you <laughs> but, all right as long as john you're gonna call me langan uh, and him taft that's that's just yeah okay all right i see where this is going but go ahead, go hey, ahead. imagine if langan took off his face mask and it's really taff <laughs> taff is langan langan Lang and taff and yeah. josh is stephen graham jones yeah so and i'm brennan um so Langen, out of hand. yeah uh, so i was gonna say brennan so uh langan with your wow. i'm confusing myself now with your story it it kind of felt like it was and you don't mention this uh, in your author notes, but it, it felt like it was kind of an extension in the Fisherman's universe. Was there any thought to that connection? And um, whether there was or wasn't, can you kind of tell us about where you came up with um, your story without spoiling it? No. Um, <laughs> fair enough. Go ahead. Next question. <laughs> Do you remember when when uh, when Johnny Carson used to do the late show? Every now and again, Charles Grodin would come on. Yes, and Charles Grodin, who was a very sweet, affable man, was just incredibly rude to Carson. <laughs> and now I'm starting to understand, like like the appeal of that. You know? Oh, um, he's getting too fucking comfortable with me. <laughs> but uh, no. Um, so what happens? So yeah. So so I'm always amazed. I, I mean, and I, this this sounds like false modesty. It's really not. Um, I'm just always amazed when anybody, you know, shoots me an email and it's like, hey, we're doing this thing. Do you want to be part of it? I'm always like, me? Really? Great. Sure. <laughs> um, and um, I had a couple of, uh, I, I knew, okay, so the story is a Wendigo story. I think that's, you know, sort of that's sort of out there. And what had happened was um, this guy had, I, I do this thing every now and again, someone will say to me, hey, we're doing a fundraiser. Can you like contribute something to it? And a couple of times I've said, yeah, sure. Tell somebody that if they, you know, you set the money amount 
And if they reach this money amount, you know, I'll write a monster story for the monster of their choice. And so somebody gave me the Wendigo and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Um, because the Wendigo, like over maybe the last 30, 40 years, has sort of moved a little bit more into mainstream culture uh, from from primarily Northeastern. Uh, well, the, the literature of or the, blah, what am I trying to say? The native cultures of the Northeastern sort of mm -hmm. over to uh, uh, the Midwestern uh, U.S. Uh, out of that lore, it's it's moved. Uh, actually, it was first it was Marvel Comics. There was there was an issue of uh, I think it was uh, Wolverine's first appearance. Yeah. Where he and the Hulk joined to fight right. this this thing they call the Wendigo, and I just loved the the monster design, and I and I was like, and then of course King does the Wendigo in uh, in Pet Cemetery, sort of, and Algernon Blackwood does it sort of in his story the Wendigo, and then of course in Hannibal you have the the Wendigo. So so there was like this, uh, like I was like okay I've got stuff to work with and in that regard, but um, mm. I was really. Like I thought the interesting thing was how do you become a Wendigo? Like, like because in, in the in, if, if you go back to the stories of the various natives, native peoples, it's somebody usually who who becomes a cannibal. Um, and what's interesting about it is they become a cannibal when they're starving, which doesn't seem an unreasonable time to become a cannibal. <laughs> right. You know, like like if if so when Stephen Graham Jones shows up and does us all in, right? You know, and he's putting us on the grill, that will be wrong. But you know, when you're starving, like that. But but so I found that really kind of interesting. Anyway, that it's this: even when you're starving, you're supposed to maintain. There were certain rules you just don't break, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. so yes, yeah, so and I said it in the Catskills um, because that's kind of what I know. Um, and uh, there's a, there's a, a Philip Roth book, The Human Stain, and it has this ending scene on this frozen lake. And I just I always love that scene. And I was like, man. So you know, he ends on that scene. I begin on that on that scene and i knew like i kind of knew as i was moving through it that that people would say hey th this isn't the catskills and you get these weird things going on and like is there a connection to the fishermen and and like my response is like maybe you know you know it, it's like i'm like yeah it seems like it doesn't it but what the connection is i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure so if you've read the fishermen and you want to read it and be like oh totally no problem. But if you haven't, that's okay too. Or if you have and you're like, Langan, you're out of your mind. This has nothing to do with the fishermen. That's cool too. Um, it's 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 flexible enough. John, uh, the the um, guy Neil from Talking Scared podcast, he he called the fishermen in this um, Catskill Gothic. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, um, I like that. Instead of Hudson Valley Gothic, but anyway, I think it was Catskills Gothic. Yeah, and it was like uh, when he he said it just sort of in you know fluidly he didn't right. like highlight it and i was like oh that's fucking good i gotta tell john about that yeah 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 no he he, he gives me my red m&ms but you know um <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's and it's funny because casco gothic like i i agree that that um i was thinking about that just a more general question right you know horror is having its moment right now right mm -hmm. and i think part of it part of it has to do had does have to do with stephen king and peter straub um, and although, and, and this is kind of my, my sort of loose thought is that, and it, it probably even goes back to Richard Matheson, but in the, say, particularly with, with King and Straub, you know, the horror writers of, of that boom in the 70s and the 80s, they were taking horror narratives and then they were jamming them up against, in, in King's case, like Peyton Place. That's the joke, right? That Salem's Lot is Dracula meets Peyton Place. In other words, like a novel of, of sort of um, small town American life, you know, but with an emphasis on the sort of sordid secrets and all that. 
and and Stroud does something kind of similar, you know, where he takes the sort of gothic stuff and the horror stuff and he jams that up against stuff that maybe it's a little more like Henry James. But so so there was something that they were doing. And I think that's part of the reason that they were so monstrously haha successful was because you know the, the horror was was in this in the suburbs you know right. or or wherever it was you lived mm -hmm. and they had just a tremendous impact you know we are all in a sense their children even if you know as as with the clash we're like fuck you stephen king i'm gonna do my own thing <laughs> um, actually i'd like you to excise that from the cat the podcast later i don't want that <laughs> that's the, want that. that's the preview actually <laughs> just that <laughs> close I've cost you some red M&M's, John. You're supposed to say fuck you to their parents. Right, you know, you're, yeah, and, and so that, that we, um, <laughs> but like, so so they were there, you know, and, and King has maintained this kind of cultural presence. I think the difference, and this is like, because there was, of course, this horror crash in the, in the 90s, at least from right. a commercial standpoint. I think there were two things that happened. One was that I think people were, they were writing, they were rewriting Stephen King novels they weren't doing what Stephen King had done in his novels, which is to say to like take these different influences and kind of smash mm -hmm. them together. And I think the other thing, obviously the small press now has, has really helped us yeah. as well. But I think what you see with all these exciting, uh, exciting writers who, who are at work now, right? I mean, yeah, like on Barry Carroll, right? It's, it's a horror story, but it's a Western, right. you know, what's, what's going on there, right? And, um, you know, someone like Paul Tremblay, um, you know, is, is doing like a sort of a zombie novel, but also sort of a rabies novel, but also ironically a COVID novel that nobody, he didn't realize he was <laughs> writing. Um, you know, Stephen Graham Jones is doing a, a, a sort of, you know, The Only Good Indians is, is on the one hand, it's, it's, it's kind of like ghost story, you know, sort of spectral revenge, but it's mm -hmm. also about what it's like to be a Native American man living in the United States at this particular time. Right. So I think that's where I see the writers and I, I I'm not sure when it begins, like like say the turn of the the turn of the the millennium just for kicks. Yeah. Um, but I, I think what you've seen all these writers doing is that they're not just writing the next Stephen King novel. Like Stephen King is definitely there. He's he's in the conversation. He's like, yes, yeah, right. he's your he's your grandpa, you know, but your dad <laughs> Your dad might be Cormac McCarthy or or Toni Morrison or, yeah. or somebody, you know, and and, <laughs> and, be, and because of that, you're able to bring, I, th I think it's absolutely true, right? The diversity of voices that we see right now. Um, it's not that those guys, I, I mean, it's not that King and Straub didn't welcome other writers, but, but publishing was like, hey, here's some white guys, let's go. And I think what you see right now is, is a real openness to, um, on the part of big publishing as well, to a writer like Tanana Reevedu or Stephen Graham mm -hmm. Jones, uh, Cheshire Burke, you know, who represents a point of view that maybe hasn't always been in, in the mainstream. So right. it's really exciting. And also, I also think streaming has something to do with this because I think the explosion of streaming services, services they're looking for content. Right. So, you know, someone like Adam Neville, two of his novels have been picked up um, and they've shown up on uh, uh, on Netflix. Wendigo, Wendigo, <laughs> Wendigo story. So that my Wendigo story? No, no, no. no, no. The rich, in the ritual. The you make oh, yeah, it, it is kind of yeah. I was like, oh, do you know something? I don't. No, you're right. <laughs> the monster, the 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 Jotun in in, uh, in the ritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and then in No One Gets Out Alive, there's whatever 
that is. Um, so I also think that's that's helping horror too, is I, I think that that search for content on the part of all these streaming services who are competing against each other, I, I do think that's working to our advantage too. Yeah. But I could be wrong about that one. That's just like talking out of my orifices. <laughs> well, that's no, but I think you're right. I think that that there there certainly is a more wide open space now for horror authors today to write from their own perspective, rather than emulate somebody like King or Straub or, or you know those who came before, um, and and people seem to be picking up that in spades and, and running with it. So, you know, when we, when we sat out to look at who we were going to invite for Dark Stars, we wanted that net really wide because we wanted to show people that, you know, I think with Dark Forces that really tried to, uh, I think one of the things that Kirby McCauley tried to do was to show that, that horror was a literary genre. Um, and I think, you know, that point's been proven. We, I think we, pretty much everybody, except for maybe the, you know, literati, whoever those are. Um, I think most people would agree that horror can be a literary genre, but really what we were trying to do with Dark Stars is to just show the diverseness, the, the wide number of voices and the different ways, uh, as Josh says, that, that people were stretching, you know, what it means to be horror in all sorts of different ways. So, you know, hopefully we were able to, to, to accomplish that. Sometimes I like to imagine that it's Brian Keene's The Rising, because it's 2003. <laughs> it's Brian, who's like a, a very powerful personality, and it's called The Rising. I feel like, I don't know, sometimes I like to like trace this whole sort of modern moment that's happening back to that book. Just, just throwing it out there. It's an, it's an interesting idea because he was, Brian is one of those people like, um, actually, honestly, like, like it's funny because I'm thinking who, who isn't leads, like Brian has tremendous integrity. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, he has uh -huh. tremendous integrity about what he's doing. Right. It was when, when, um, like when, when Laird Barron and I became friends or when Paul Tremblay and I became friends, part of the reason we became friends was we liked each other's work and we responded to this, this like integrity. Like, like there's right. a, there's a, a, a line, um, uh, actually Straub is, is talking about the first time he met King in person. Uh, they, uh, King and his family came to England and, and Straub talks about that, how there was just this absolute sense of integrity to what this guy was doing, that he took it seriously. Mm. Maybe he didn't take himself seriously, but he believed it. Like, he wasn't like, oh, it's just this little thing. He was like, no, yeah. this is what I'm doing. Right. And yeah. I, I really think that that, that sense of, of integrity is really... It's, it's pretty widespread. And I think it's a good thing. I think if you don't take yourself mm -hmm. seriously and what you're doing seriously, uh, you know, how is anybody else going to do it? Right. And yeah, some, sometimes you fail, sometimes you succeed, whatever. But yeah, but yeah Brian is, is um, I, I think in, in terms of somebody who just was, was like, no, I am doing this and I'm taking this seriously. Yeah. Right. There were like Tom Piccarelli, you know, there were other people sort of <laughs> related to that group. Yeah. He's a good example of uh, what I was mentioned earlier, where, I mean, his, the person that helped him, for those that don't know, uh, the person that helped him with making, ironing out the, the details of his contract, which is really important and can set a, a writer up or can crush him, was, mm -hmm. Jack, was Jack Ketchum. And I know all of all us five love that guy, but. Oh, yeah. 
he is such an important figure and and it's really neat like he was uh philip k dick's uh literary agent and it, it's just really neat we're all connect i i tell my wife this sometimes she's not huge in the books like like we are but like we're basically one writer away from knowing that person it's a huge world but i mean yeah. at the end of the day it doesn't it really doesn't even matter the genre because there's a lot of cross mm-hmm. there's a lot of crossing uh wires there brennan um do you want to take us in a different direction no not really i'm loving this um actually <laughs> i i want to jump in on you know something that we we were just kind of mentioning the whole idea of taking your art seriously and Mm -hmm. you know that being such a necessary component for everybody else to take it seriously and I you know this is kind of a different direction but I think that as writers there's a certain almost expectation that there's going to be a little bit of uh, modesty and humbleness and and you know uh, self you know depredation Um, and you got to be careful with that. It's it's just kind of one of those things where, yeah, you want to you want to be humble. You don't want to present yourself as you know I am the greatest thing since sliced bread and like you know like Stephen King I deserve my own two shelves. But at the same time, if you don't give yourself that credence, then why why if if you don't present yourself as worth people's time, why are they gonna give you your your mm-hmm. time? And I, I, I totally, I, I love Josh's point where, you know, Brian Keene did have that, you know, atmosphere, like here, here's what I'm doing. And, you know, just, he, he chucked it at us, you know, that, that, that book, you read it and it is off the wall bonkers. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I could imagine somebody writing something like that and saying, ah, oh, it's just, just having a laugh, you know, just, this is for fun. But you know, he made an entire career out of writing, you know, out of characterizing like that, out of, you know, ripping, ripping people to shreds. Um, and I think the confidence behind that could be a big contributing factor to why horror is having the moment it's currently having. You know, it almost feels like that book is a bit of a connection to the old, to the past, like zombie story and the future. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in, in, in every other way we're talking about it. I do, I wonder, like, this is something I think about a lot, actually, is that, um, and I talk to Allison about this all the fucking time, is that I do feel like some, like a lot of people are afraid of the word artist. And, and, yeah. and if you guys here aren't into it, then you're not into it, but I really, really am. Like, I, I, I think that oftentimes I'll see people like, I'm not an artist, I'm just putting, you know, bread on the table. I'm a, so. I'm a craftsman, right? It's the, I'm a craftsman, I'm not an artist or, right. I'm, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I and I get it and I dig it, but the, but I'm just here to say like, like an artist doesn't, you know, picture like a pipe and a beret for fuck's sake. An artist, <laughs> like you can have like fun, man. There's glad I didn't wear my pipe and beret. And I know, I'm thinking I, I love my beret and I have fun <laughs> in my beret. <laughs> I mean, by definition, you can go, you guys can Google it. Um, artist does cover a wide variety. Well, it does. And I, I think that, you know, people, there are a lot of people that just don't want to come off as sounding pretentious. So, no, but here's what, I, here's what I'm saying. Yes, I'm with you and I get it. But like, it, it, it doesn't have to be pretentious. Like, no. like, like, like an artist is like drunk or fun or like dumb, like fails at this book. And, and like, you can be like a, like a pell-mell artist. Mm-hmm. You can be like, like a, like a living Jackson Pollock. Is that, are you, are you, 
you know, like I'm, I feel like maybe me and Steven uh, are sort of like gunslingers with the books. It's like, I'm gonna throw a lot of interceptions, but you know, we're gonna win some games too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's nothing like pretentious there. It's like, come on, let's, let's go, let's go. But there is this sense of, yes, we're trying to do something great. Right. Pretentious to, be, to me would be more like, I don't, I don't even know, like something, something more along the lines of like, what I'm doing is very important and what, you know, that kind of thing. The word artist, whatever, in any way that I can add or help to soften that word or, or colorize that word or electrify that word, because I do think we're all artists. Oh, absolutely. I think we're all like doing it. Even the ones yeah. that are like, nope, I'm just putting bread on the table. You're an artist that's doing that. You just don't right. realize that. Well, at its most base definition, an artist is somebody who creates art. And, you know, we spend, all, all of us spend so much time communicating with creative types that we almost kind of feel the need to branch off into more specific labels. But, you know, I, I, I go to my day job and not everybody, you know, has the, I don't want to say ability, but not everybody goes home at night and tries to put words on the page, tries to put uh, paint on the canvas, tries to put, uh, you know, pencil, charcoal on paper. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, the, 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 the normies, uh, look, look at anybody who creates and and say that's that's an artist they're creating art uh, musicians too we can't leave musicians out of there sure. um, but yeah I mean I, I don't think it's a pretentious term at all I think that there are certainly some people who could put that stigma on it but it, it, it's unnecessary yeah yeah I think more like Pastavetti is like John I think about him when I think about the word and how it's like a do-it-yourself, like this indie, like I'm gonna make it happen no matter what. Right. And and he's a cool, he's a cool dude in a in a real straight sort of like we're gonna get this done, guys way. And so he there's like a working man aspect of Cassavetes, and mm. even his films have some of that in, in what they're and what he's talking about. And there's a streets and real life, you know, feel to it. But that if that dude's not an artist, I don't know anyone that is, you know. And so I think about him when I think of that word. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about it isn't like, you know, like the, the sort of pursuit of the vision, what, whatever it is you want to do, you know, but, but pursuing that thing. Um, and maybe you're self-conscious about it. I mean, I do, I think of King back in the seventies saying, Oh, I'm the big Mac and fries of literature, you know, yeah. and, and then, and then realizing that, you know, and he was trying to be sort of modest and all this, but then realizing that he'd set himself up for critics to say, Oh yeah, you're right. You know, just to dismiss him. And if, right. again, you dismiss yourself other people are are going to dismiss you um pursuing you know like like having that passion to follow um that's a big deal and, mm-hmm. and yeah i i absolutely um i i feel like i'm surrounded by um by artists uh, you know uh, electronically absolutely. or, or yeah. whatever you know like like there's so many people working with such integrity right mm-hmm. now um i mean livia llewellyn for god's sake oh yeah you know, I, I mean there's just you want to talk about someone who's pursuing like a singular vision and is just like, nope, this is what I'm doing. This is me. Um, right. And and it's maybe, you know, it's, it's, um, it's maybe not fair to, to, I, I guess I'm, I'm a little leery of saying, look, there are like, you could be popular and still be pursuing your vision, you know, like, like mm-hmm. you can be, you know, um, Dean Koontz or, or whatever can, can be, you know, pursuing his vision, uh, whatever that is. 
You can leave the thing about Kunsa. Okay. <laughs> Was um, that a shot? <laughs> uh, sorry. I'm sorry, Dean Kunz. He said fuck Stephen King and then he just took a shot too. Right, I, make fun of I loved I loved Watchers and Phantoms too. I love those. And the one about the voodoo, I like that one too. Um and the one on top of the skyscraper with the psychotic twin climbers who were like German and they're oh, trying to kill somebody. Amazing. Do you remember that? Anyway. Um at the face but, of fear? No, 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 no. That's yeah, the something uh, might be. Yeah, but but the, somehow the guys are trying to get in. I, I feel like just, I haven't read they, a Coots novel in decades. It's uh, you know, uh, once upon a time, I I I read. Um, it was the eighties. Things happened. <laughs> um, That's right. That's and, a good way uh, to put it. He's going to show up at my front door tomorrow. He's like, you son of a bitch. He's going to stop listening door. to the show. That's for sure. Yeah, he's just going to punch me out, and I'm going to be like, who is that? <laughs> Read my books, you fucker. Does he swear? Do you guys think that Coon swears? He doesn't look mm. like it. He I, might. He might. He's, he does he, look like a darn it guy. Like, darn it. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, like, he's at least in those those early. I think he was one of those people, actually. This is not that's a tangent, but whatever. We're talking about the 80s. I think he just realized he, in a, in a way, wasn't really a horror writer. That, that mm-hmm. he was he was interested in other things and and he did his horror or horror adjacent stuff but then went off to do right. his other stuff you know which yeah. fair enough uh, yeah no no harm to the guy he could right. he could buy me and sell me a million times over <laughs> yeah. I, people could show up tomorrow and they could just be like nope i'm sorry dean coons bought you and i'd be like well you, what you, do? you john squandered your lifetime supply of red m&ms i did didn't i that he was could, what he could have got. He could have hooked you up with that. He could have. He could have. And he's like, now he's gonna. He's eating them now. He's just stuffing his face. <laughs> he's watching this Take right that now. Line. Even though it's not released yet, he's that wealthy. He's watching. <laughs> <it right now. laughs> right. Even though this is being pre-recorded, he has a tapped into the stream. Time, every time his name pops up on the internet, he's like, "What are they saying? How dare they?" Well, that's probably rare. Darn it! Get me another golden <laughs> <building> retriever. <laughs> you are Thomas's. <laughs> right, it's like, get me another killer baboon he's going to work on them what the fuck was the question <laughs> not anticipate this much dean coon's shit talking <laughs> like Hold definitely on. a little but not no this but much. suddenly like the other side of me is feeling should we reach out like does he need like us to reach out to him or something? Like he's not like he's he's not online. He's not at conventions. Is he like? Does he need a helping hand? You think he I needs think, an intervention, Josh? I, I think I think Dean Cruz might need like a friend. Or intervention. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna find out where he lives and just go to his house. I'll let you guys. Know how it goes. He needs a friend intervention. I feel like this is this is the next Netflix show. You know, Dean Coons needs a friend. Oh my and god! It's, intervention. It's gonna be Josh Ballerman trying to be his friend. And he's going to Are that. you? <laughs> Let me and go he, check it out. Josh is like, I've got a guitar. I'm going to sing you some songs. Come on, come on, come on. What do you know, Dean? What do you know? Come on, Neil Diamond. A, let's go. Yeah. Neil that would be a good story if a group of horror writers got him to try to go back to horror, and he would be watching Shameless. Shout out to Josh. <laughs> Did I ask the question though? Because I, I legit forget. I don't. I don't remember. I feel Brennan was was trying to yes. say something meaningful. Yeah, I think Brennan. Asked the no, yeah. it's a real dilemma because I I am debating whether I want to ask a question or just like let, let you guys go. go. Oh, Megan, what question. other what other authors yeah. do you want to talk to you about? <laughs> I mean, mm. Brennan, what you just said is exactly how pretty much how like I write books. It's like 
you know, do I want to ask this a question? Do I want to outline this or do I want to just keep going, man? Or do I, you know, there'll be like, there'll, there'll be like a few like landmark sort of like, maybe uh, I actually, I talked to you, John Langan about this on the phone before, like there's like a few maybe scares or landmark moments I have in mind, maybe just even the first one and like the last one. And it's like, we got to get from here to there. Okay, well then that's fine. We'll get from there. Yeah. And sometimes I'm afraid just like um, you jokingly just said, but sometimes I'm afraid to, ask those questions or have an outline or have any sense of direction. I just like, let's just feel, let's go, let's feel, let's go, let's feel. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe no. you're experiencing that same feeling, right? <laughs> Josh, I got a question for you, man. So this is no segues here. It doesn't fucking matter. So Clyde Barker blurred you on Goblin. I got to know how that came about. How do you feel about that still? <laughs> man. Like he's, dude, he's, he's one of the fucking greatest writers ever. All time. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Uh, the publisher, Paul at um, Earthling, because Goblin originally came out as that limited with Earthling. Mm. And Paul Miller had done a book with Clive Barker before and he sent him Goblin. And then uh, this is, um, I remember it was like the last house I lived in. I was in the office when he wrote me and he was like, hey, uh, Clive Barker blurbed your book. And I was like, wait, what? What the <laughs> fuck are you, what's going on right now? And, and, and he's like, no, he did, you know, years later, I went to a horror convention um, where he was at and Allison and I and another friend were there. And I was like two, I like met Clive Barker just as, as someone in line signing books, you know? And I was too nervous to like even tell him who I was like, or that I wrote Goblin, not who I was, you know, I was, you know. But my friend was like, oh, Mr. Barker, you, you blurbed his book Goblin, you know? And he was like, oh, his voice is like fucking exact, like super sing-songy like it was like years ago. He was like, oh, wonderful, you know? And he was like, I love that book for town, you know? And then, and then that was kind of it. And Allison steps in and him and Allison just, they had like a moment, they just like really connected. Uh -huh. And for the next like 20 minutes, me and my friend were standing on the side while Allison was like, pretty much like kneeling in front of the table, like talking to him. And he was like drawing her pictures and we have <laughs> And they were like talking about, because he's a painter, Allison's a painter, all this stuff. And I'm like, God, he blurred, you know, it, he likes Allison better than he likes me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this guy's definitely, definitely connecting more with Allison than he is. It's like, all right, fine. That's what happened today. <laughs> Allison became friends with Clive Barker, and that's a good thing. That's amazing. And then Josh shakes his face off. And it's Allison, because she's done that before. She looks exactly <laughs> like you. I'm done making that joke. That's an amazing story, though. <laughs> Seriously, that's so cool because for me, like, I'm going to speak for um, Brent's behalf, too, because we're in the same generation. It's really awesome to see a writer that we both love um, getting blurred by an older uh, author of the previous generation that we mm -hmm. love. Like, that's so cool because, first off, it gives us hope. Secondly, it's two authors we love. Thirdly, it's only a win because it's like love on love on horror on love. So yeah, that's yeah. all I got. No end into that. <laughs> and talk about elasticity and being ahead of their times, like Clive Barker and oh my god, Rice. Anne Rice is like mm -hmm. I can't even let get. Don't even get me started as John Taff knows. I can't stop talking about her. <laughs> still reading, still reading those books. Oh yeah, I'm on number twelve now. <laughs> How many and, are there? Well, there's eighteen vampire and witch books, and I'm I'm through the twelfth one, and and just the two of them are like so. So elastic. I mean, you could you could argue. I mean, Stephen King for sure is with the Dark Tower, and mm -hmm. and maybe the final third of it, and and a million other examples. But those two especially to be bestsellers, because Dean Koontz is like a fairly straight shot 
But Clive Barker and Anne Rice are weirdos. And yeah. And brilliant. Absolutely. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Comes out the gate with books of blood. And I mean, just pick pick one story in there. And it's just dread. Yeah, I mean, for its time, it's it's just beyond anything, and still to yeah. this day, it's so unique. Um, let's get back to Dark Stars, Brendan. What? I'm leaning heavily on you. What? Who? Dark let's what? Go, let's get back to Dark Stars. Am I lying? Oh, dark Tower, <clears throat> John. I'd oh. like to. Uh, sorry, Taff. I'd like to ask you a question about the Dark Tower. No, uh, dark you, you were talking about how. Uh, <laughs> dark Taff. You you Dark Taff. You, oh, you were talking about uh, compiling the list of authors, and man, that couldn't have been an easy feat. Um, so I, I wondered, you know, why did Deep you decide? And oh, wait, he no. said no. Yeah, you wouldn't give him a golden retriever, so he said no. <laughs> Got it. Why did you decide novel at length? Uh, you know, for the same reason that we didn't give anybody a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted. Uh, I really wanted people to come back with whatever they wanted to write, whatever they were jazzed to write about uh, and really put their, you know, their heart and their passion to. And then, you know, in the same terms, give them some elbow room to, to do it. So instead of having, you know, I don't know, 15 or 20 short stories, uh, I just thought it would be better to have a, a smaller amount of stories with a little bit of elbow room for people to uh, tell their stories. Now, now Lange went way over. <laughs> is that is that is that what this is about? Was this this was just so you can you just no, brought I, me here to, sh- to shame me? Is that it? Actually, that's great. That's there were great. there were a number of things that happened on the book that were kind of serendipitous, and and uh, John's story was one of them. You know, in in Dark Forces, they were all short stories, and then the ending story uh, in the book was King's The Mist which is uh, not a short story. Um, and uh, so when, when I got John, John's story in, serendipitously, it was a longer story than anybody else's. And so it was like, I thought it was the perfect note to, to, to go out on, not just to sort of emulate Dark Forces, but also, you know, just the, if you've read John's story, just the strength of the story was a great, you know, need of the groin to uh, give to the reader before they put the book down. Yes, people, that's what you have to look forward to. A need of the groin. A need of the groin. A need of the groin. You're thinking to yourself, what do I need this weekend? I need a need of the groin. You can copyright what you need. You can use that on your next book, John. I hope to. I hope to. Langan gives a need of the groin. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, just, just to, to give people a little bit more elbow room to tell their story. Perfect. So how about uh, putting the stories in some kind of order once you got them all in? You know, Patrick was talking about just how well this thing hits from beginning to end. And I feel like a big part of the reasoning behind that is just the diversity and you know you talked about the diversity of authors and you know backgrounds but the diversity of stories too you know you 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 just don't get two that are like oh gee i really feel like i've already read this one so how how was the editing process in that regard well you know i you know and i think anybody that has been in an anthology or put together an anthology and certainly josh can speak to this too it's like an album we've, we've discussed this before josh and i that it's like putting an album together. It's like picking 
the tracks that are going to be on the album and then putting the album together, you know, in terms of which track is going to be first, second, third, fourth, and what you're going to end up with. So, you know, it's, it's pretty subjective. Um, it was probably just a, uh, mainly just a personal de- decision from me about what stories hit what, uh, you know, tones and, and plot points and that kind of stuff and kind of the rhythm that I wanted to, to see a reader go through if they did indeed read the, the book, you know, in order of the stories. So, you know, it was, it was just a, you know, a purely personal thing with me that, uh, you know, when I got Caroline's story, uh, you know, at, at first when I got Caroline's story, I, I really liked it. And I really thought for a while that I, I struggled with it a while because I really thought that maybe I should open the book with a much more, uh, you know, quote unquote, traditional kind of horror story. And that by opening with Caroline's story uh, might give people the wrong idea where the book was headed. Uh, but then I said, screw that. <laughs> um, I just mm-hmm. thought hers was a good story to open with. Um, and then, you know, uh, John's the same way. It was a, it was a great story, uh, and and the fact that it uh, allowed me to emulate Dark Forces a little bit better uh, that sort of had a lock on that. But everything else was sort of a, in terms of a rhythm, and you know, making sure I didn't have too, you know, magical that stories kind of slanted more towards magical realism or dark fantasy. I don't want to mash those kind of stories up together. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. But, it, you know, I think with anybody that puts anything together like that, it's, it's pretty personal. Um, but I'm glad to hear that, that, you know, that you dug the, the way the stories are ordered. Absolutely. So, think, um, go ahead. I think Carolyn's is a perfect, like, album opener to use what you were saying. There, it, there's just something, because it's like the opening of an album doesn't even, like, I think um, if you take, like, the White Album, the second, um, album two i think it opens with birthday and it's like that's <laughs> not indicative of what's to come right true. but but it's like it, it what it is though is like the band sort of takes a bow and there's a sense here there's like a spirit to it there's like a lift like like you're in for like carolyn's story like moves and mm-hmm. and it's freaky and and it's palatable and it's not in a bad way poppy and so I think that's like, there's a, that's a great opening track. If you think of it, like, you don't want to, I wouldn't necessarily want to open with um the Pink Floyd song, you know, <laughs> you know, like the total fucking mind bender and then yeah. shrink it down. So I, I, yeah, I feel like I totally get what you're saying. And the, I, the, I the ending thought for me on Caroline's story was sort of like that idea that her story opened in a more traditional manner, which kind of maybe would lull people who are reading it into thinking, oh, okay, well, this seems like I can do, if this is horror, I can do this. And then, you know, when she twists the knife, you're too far into the story to back out. So you're like, oh my God, what just happened here? What is going on? Um, so, you know, I, I hope that that would kind of, you know, l- keep people interested in a traditional sense, but still keep them on one foot so that they didn't know what was next. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yep. it does. And I thought it that does? was, uh, no, I had a drink. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Take another shot and take a crack at it. Um, no, I thought that was a fabulous opener. And 
it was, you know, Car Carolyn is a perfect example of that author who fits squarely into the horror genre, but there are so many of her readers that wouldn't necessarily right. put her there and look for her work in that section of the bookstore. Yeah. Um, so that even, even before you read the story, putting her story first is a, is a really intriguing idea. Mm -hmm. um, so John Langan talked about his story a little bit. Josh, I want to hear a little bit uh, about yours. Okay. Um, well, what do you want to hear? Just <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I, I, I got to be honest. I have a confession to make about your story. So, yeah. I hey. uh, I sat down with this book, and I, I like to when I read an anthology, I like to read a story a day, mm -hmm. uh, and just kind of digest it and hit it again the next night, and. I believe that your story was up on a Friday night and I had just had a hellish week. So I came home from work and I had a drink and then I had three or four more. And then I sat down with your story and I read it and I kind of had a, what the fuck did I just read type of moment? <laughs> and I had to go back with a clear mind and look at it again, because it's just, you just drop the reader right into the middle of it. And if you're not, you know, adequately prepared to be Mallermand, um, it's an experience. Um, <laughs> you're a verb you now. Know, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, it, 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 it had almost kind of like, um, you know, once you get to the heart of it, like almost this like memento vibe to it mm -hmm. uh, where you're just lost until you're not. Um, so anything you want to share with us that wouldn't spoil it, I uh, yeah um you know I I uh, I, I, I like guess that. something that freaks me out mightily is the idea of like well something that turns me on is the hunt right and so these four guys are going after the witch and the hunt and we're we're going after our guys but the thing that freaks me out is the idea of like are are we really like like are we like or do we just think we are that that sense of like right. distorted you know not just distorted reality, but like literally, and, and nowhere near like am I dreaming, but like, is she fucking with us already? Have I even left the house? <laughs> like that, and there's a lot of that in Pearl as well, and on this mm. day of the pig, that sense of like, who the fuck is running me right now? And, and I think that's like a, a real great fear of mine is like, it's kind of like the fear of having a bad acid trip, right? It's like the fear of like losing control, like losing, like my uh psychological like faculties and and so whereas like I don't, I don't necessarily think mrs addison's nest is a story where the walls of reality erode i don't really see it that way but i do see it as like ah shit the closer we get to this nest the closer we get to this woman the worse this is for us and maybe we shouldn't even be doing this but we are and and because we shouldn't be we've tattooed on our arms like hey remember what you're doing remember where you are you're in Werther Woods this kind of thing, thinking that that would be enough. If I was one of those four dudes, I would have tattooed a lot more than that on my arm. I'd be like, hey, listen, dude, like you're gonna fucking not know where you are. It would be like a, like a novel on my arm. I'd be like, oh, guys, hold on. I know what's happening. Hold on, it's on my arm. <laughs> not just one little platitude, but yeah. So for me, I, whatever, I'm like a big fan of the hunt and I'm also a big fan of the, the witch. The witch that not just doesn't just mash up babies for jelly, but also screws with your reality in so much as, you know, that's her defense mechanism. That's how she defends her nest, is that you don't even know that you're at her nest. Oh, 
I, I absolutely dig that the witch that um, that the type of magic that just alters reality all around you. Um, it's yeah, I, I, I have a story coming out um, next year that dips into that a little bit. And I think that might be one of the reasons now that I'm thinking of it, that I looked at yours and I said, yeah, this one speaks to me. I like this oh, one. Oh shit. Um, I didn't even put that together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, just recently no, I was asked, like, have you tried LSD before? And I'm like, wow, it's taken <laughs> this took a long, this took up till Pearl, Mrs. Eddie's rule in the Cape. And now people are like, oh, this guy's the, I get him now. He's got tried acid. <laughs> what was your answer? Well, I gave a long story of the, I only tried it once. And I gave an entire fucking story of this bad trip that I had and my friends not helping me and thinking they were helping me and anyway, blah, blah, blah. Oh. But we'll, we'll the answer is yes. One time I did do it. Yeah. And it was terrifying. Because I, I believe that certain people are born psychedelic. And whereas like some of my friends are, they took this drug and it was like a party for them. They're like, look at the shower curtain, it's moving. And I'm like, the shower curtain, the fucking earth is moving around the sun right now. What are you talking about? Like, like, oh like past this fucking shower curtain right now, man. Wow. Like, and, and, you know, I'm like, uh, and for me, it was just like right away, like downward spiral into like fear and self, not self doubt necessarily, but uneasiness, anxiety, all these kind of things. And my friends were all like, they had a strobe light and a rubber chicken and it was like a big fun night for everyone else. <laughs> oh, that's what happened to rubber the chicken. One time. But... <laughs> I'm the one time, yep. <laughs> Brandon, I'm, I'm leaning on you again, buddy. I, I got rubber chicken on my mind, so go ahead, bud. We'll, we'll see now, now, now Taff, uh, yeah. Dark Taff, John uh, one, yes. uh, he, he's the only one who hasn't talked about his story. So let's that's talk really about John's story. That's that's how, how how does he get to all right? Never mind. Fine. I just see where this is going. <laughs> Sorry, uh, John. Yeah, how dare I, you? Is my, what my, was screen, my screen, you're hanging off to the side. So I mean I'm just going sequentially here. That's that never mind. Never mind, Brennan. It's too late. It's, <laughs> it's too, too late. late. It's too late. The earth is moving, Brennan. It's moving. I'm gonna get such a nasty package in the mail. We can always I'm call have Dean Coots. in it, that's for sure. <laughs> Push comes to shove, we can always call Dean Coots. I'm reaching out to him, and I'm not even kidding. I'm going to like find out if this guy needs, needs a fellow weirdo. <laughs> uh, what do you want to know about my story? So just give us a little background on it. Uh, you know, I, I like uh, one of my favorite kinds of horror is the horror that isolates the characters in a, in a small space. Um, it isolates a number of characters too, to a small number of characters. And then weird shit happens. And then you can play with that dynamic of people who are trapped together um, and, and undergoing this experience and, and how, it, how it affects each of the individual characters, but also the interplay between the characters. So, um, you know, I thought of the idea, just my wife and I were taking a drive and we passed uh, a rest area in Missouri. And I just thought to myself as we drove past, that'd be a great setting for a horror movie because it's, they're so, you know, they're so weirdly creepy and uh, liminal, uh, you know, they're, they're, 
people are there at all hours of the day and night all sorts of people the place is lit weird the you know usually the architecture of the buildings is kind of weird and utilitarian and you go in and it's nothing basically but you know snack food vending machines and linoleum and and bad bathrooms um so i just thought it would be kind of weird to put a, a story in that and see what happens and you know i'd also been playing around with this idea that uh you know there's that trope about uh, a divorce being kind of like a death and but what you know, what if you twist that around and that death is sort of a divorce and then it just it all came together pretty quickly so um yeah so isolate the characters have some weird shit going along and you know see what happens john that was a really cool description of a, of a rest stop man <laughs> i was like kind of riveted i really was, I was like, oh, there, there are people there at all hours of the day and night and then and there it is like it's a just a weird weird and creepy space it really kind of is yeah liminal indeed John, do you have uh, John number one? I uh, should specify. Do you have a real story based on the Puking Man? No, I don't know where that came from. It's just, <laughs> you know, when the character presented himself, it just, uh, you know, the characters uh, are all kind of representative of different things, and and along the same lines that that I was kind of looking at at death being a divorce. There's a sort of a an attorney for the dead wife that's the puking man. And then there's an attorney for the main character who is uh, Maya, the other woman. Um, and I, you know, as so often happens when you're writing, you, a character presents itself and just sort of tells you who he is and, and you just have to roll with it. And when he came out, he was puking. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to second that. I, I dug the description of the rest area. And it, it is, it's a space where if you ever have to stop at one, um, like it can be, it can look totally abandoned and you can't walk into that bathroom without looking back over your shoulder first, no. you know? Yeah. It's, you, it's, you, a, you... it's a place you don't want to linger. So that's why I thought it would be kind of a neat place to isolate some people there. Yeah. And for the isolation factor, maybe this is just me, but... One thing that freaks me out, and I both love and hate seeing it in stories, is when the weather does shit that it's not supposed to do. Yeah. Like, I, I, I feel like that's just such a good tool to play with because it's like you can you can take something as innocent as a little bit of snow and give it like a malevolent like personality. Um, and I just think that's such a good tool to impose on your audience. And, and snow in, in horror movies and in horror literature is is kind of something that i'd wanted to play with and I, I actually would like to play with that a little bit more and i think you know john's story does that pretty effectively too uh the the snow and the weather and you know it's all very much almost a character in the story um and i think there's something about winter you know the the snow and the cold and the your breath steaming and the way sometimes when the snow falls, you can't really see, you know, a foot ahead of you. Um, all that is kind of, it really resonates. It's kind of deeply creepy to me. Yeah. Um, being a New Englander myself, man, uh, snow is, can be hell. When I picture hell, it's, it's, 
it's a blizzard where it's so cold that you just you can't feel anything and not even beer can warm you up um so you're from illinois i'm from missouri st louis but we live in illinois now all right that's what threw me off because the story's in illinois and i thought you were from there well okay anyways do you have any do you have any uh real life experiences uh, just in general with winters that you remember certain um physical i guess reactions feelings and so forth that you just kind of put in this story you know i i don't know i'm i guess i'm starting to to be old and starting to think that everything that occurred to me as a child was a lot worse a lot more you know so uh, when I think back to when I was a kid and think about the snowstorms that I was in as a kid, it always just seems like, you know, there was more snow, it was colder, you know, you had to walk inestimable distances to get to where we were going through the cold. So, you know, all that kind of stuff kind of informed me. I've never really lived in a place where there wasn't a change of seasons, you know, so there wasn't a, a definite winter a definite fall the difference between summer so you know i think probably all of that kind of went into informing what i wrote hmm. um i want to kind of change gears here way tour night fire um and especially for potential readers that aren't familiar with tour night fire taff i'm gonna go with you because you are the editor i would love to hear your whatever you have to say about that publisher and um why you went with them well, um, you know, at first I'll just say that working with them has been great. I mean, uh, their whole team there is, uh, you know, they've only recently started to, to publish horror as a distinct imprint of tour. Um, and Dark Forces, Dark Stars, rather, was one of the first <laughs> books that they put out under that line. So, you know, the team there is very... Uh, excited about horror as a genre they're very uh excited about the people uh, uh that are in dark stars and the people that they've assembled in uh the first line of books that they're putting out um and they've been great to work with i mean they're, they're very energetic and they're very committed to what they're doing and uh, as a partner in, in putting this book together I didn't know how much or how little they were going to involve me, but they were, they've been really good about involving me in decisions that I wouldn't have thought that a big publisher would, you know, uh, seek to involve me and, in, you know, like the cover and that kind of stuff. So, so the whole experience has been great. Um, you know, why tour? I think, yeah, yeah, again, like a lot of this thing that happened, with this book, it was very serendipitous that, uh, you know, Josh and I had talked about it for a while and we had gotten some people to say yes, uh, but we weren't really able to, uh, you know, gather any interest for it. And then I think it was at um, Stoker County in Providence, I think, where I was, uh, I, had, I was uh, having a drink with Usman, Usman T. Malik. And uh, he had said that he uh, has a contact at uh, Tour Night Fire that might be interested in the book. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another, and he passed the book over to uh, an editor uh, by the name of Diana Foe, who's no longer there. She works for Realm Media now. 
but uh, she was she really liked the book, really liked the idea. Well, the idea, she hadn't seen the book at that point. We were just putting together uh, the uh, table of contents, but she liked the idea and she liked the, the names that we had selected. So she basically gave me the, uh, the uh, task of filling out the table of contents, which I did literally in a day. It was the quickest I've ever been able to turn around a complete table of contents. So uh, got the people that I wanted to, to uh, commit to respond and went back to them with that and they were on board. So uh, I think it worked out really well. And that's, that's incredible. Um, yeah, they're definitely highly sought after by. You know, yeah, they're great. They're, they're really great. And, you know, just so that we touch on it, because I know people are going to be asking about it. Let me take a drink here. <laughs> ah, ah, Jim. Um, there was a printing error. The book, the book had started to, to get out in the wild. Uh, there was a printing error in that one uh, folio of the book was incorrectly bound and it uh, jumbled up the pages between two of the stories in the center of the book. So if you've gotten an early actual physical hard copy of the book, um, at this point, it probably has that, that, uh, that mix up in it. Save it. Collector's edition. Collector's item. Yep. Yeah. But uh, they are, they, uh, to, to their credit, they went and looked, they found out that it was a printer's error and they made the commitment right away to reprint the entire run of the book. So that was, that's a delay. And, and also to their credit, you know, when I first learned, I thought, God, this is probably going to hold this thing up for six months, knowing right. that the problems that that uh, not just the ore industry, but every kind of industry is having with supply chain issues and and, and that sort of thing. And the mm. fact that a lot of the printing was bumped back anyway because of paper shortages. So I thought it's probably going to be six months. But, you know, to their credit, they got it. They got it done. And the, uh, the book will be out May 10th. Great, because it's right in time for StokerCon. So uh, perfect. Yeah, so that was a perfect thing. So it's awesome. Now, if you got the original issue, uh, the original copy of the book, there is going to be a mechanism for people to get a replacement uh, book. I don't know what that is yet, but we'll make sure that that is posted uh, everywhere. It's uh, like an injector you... seat in your office. But... <laughs> it's it's <laughs> just going to burst into flames in your hands and a new yeah. one appears. Burst into flames, a new one just comes out of your left sleeve. But uh, uh... yeah, hang on to it because it's a collector's issue. Very cool, man. You know, I've got a I've got a set of uh, the, like 10 or 11 volumes of Edgar Allan Poe books from uh, the turn of the 19th, the turn of the, tw the 19th century, 20th century. Um, and one of the books, I think it's like volume six or seven, is printed completely upside down. Um, and wow. I've, I've held on. I got uh, my, they were my great grandfather's books and he split them up amongst the family. And I've gathered them all back together and I have them right back here on my bookshelf. So that one that is printed completely upside down, how many people, you know, probably have that? At this point, so I feel like that's something I should have known about you already. That you have like the freakiest freak book of a freak freak. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that's like you have a fucking Edgar Allan Poe book that was printed upside down. 
Like I feel like everyone in the horror scene should know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You tap has that book. Yeah, and, you know, and it was <laughs> like, you know, this, this is this one's put it upside down. You probably should try to get a new copy. I'm like, shit, no. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Man. <laughs> Why would I do that? <laughs> yeah. But, so but just, tour, tour's been great. I just want to touch on one story in there, uh, Usman's story. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I, I loved it. I thought it was really cool that Pakistani lore isn't something I'm super familiar with. So just hearing that, and um, I actually reached out to him to tell him this, and I, I'll echo it here. I thought it was really cool that he focused. I don't think this is a spoiler. If it is, tell me I'll cut it. Um, I thought it was really cool how he focused on a single element, a single natural element, phosphorus, and what he did with that was just like it was it was like a hard sci-fi mixed with a dark and gritty at times holy shit like gritty yeah. gritty horror and well I he's a he's a fantastic writer yeah he really is and you know the thing with uh, the me the way i felt but putting this book together it really was a literal embarrassment of riches i mean there's not anybody i, I could point my finger to and say, eh, you know, that story, eh, eh. Um, they were all really, really good and all from completely divergent uh, viewpoints and completely divergent tones. And it's, it's just really cool. And I'm glad that now that it's, it's starting to show up in the wild uh, with review copies and that sort of stuff that people are, they seem to be liking it. So that, you know, mm. that's good. Not for nothing, John, and don't get modest here, but like you deserve it. I mean, look, you're clearly he's you talking to you, Langan. You did a good job, man. I mean, you yeah. did a very good job. Well, thank you. Yeah, I witnessed it all from the very start, from you did talking about it till now, and it's it's absolutely phenomenal, John. Congrats. Well, thank Congrats you on what you put together. We all know it's not freaking easy, dude, and it's definitely not easy to do it well. And congrats. Well, it uh, and. Uh, Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, but it really does make the job of someone like me a whole hell of a lot easier when you're dealing with people, you know, like these two and Stephen Graham Jones. You know, the other serendipitous thing about this book was Ramsey Campbell. Oh, yeah. um, and Josh remembers, you know, when, when I thought about, I'm going to approach Ramsey to see if he'll write the afterword. Um, and you know, Josh is like, yeah, you should do that. Definitely, that'll that'll be a good tie-in to to Dark Forces. So I did, and you know, I didn't I didn't even consider asking him for a story. I just didn't think that was you know an original story from him. Right now, was probably in the cards, but you know, anybody that has interacted with Ramsey knows what a <laughs> complete and utter gentleman he is. So yeah. such a sweet guy. And he offered, he's like, yeah, I would love to do the afterward. And I also, if you want it, uh, I'll take the story. I'll do a story. If you want it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah like I'm going to turn down a story and a real yeah. story for Ramsey Campbell. So, um, you know, it just seemed like in a lot of ways that this was sort of, you know, I know it sounds goofy and trite, but it was sort of meant to be. Everything came together the way it was supposed to. I got the people that I wanted. The stories are fantastic. So um i'm really proud of it i i i'm really proud of it yeah we we mentioned a lot of the stories in it but i want to make sure we don't miss anybody so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna quickly go down here so we've got this the excellent forward we mentioned as long as well as a story by josh um carolyn kepnes's opener uh then ramsey campbell priya sharma livia llewellyn uh stephen graham jones chesha burke Alma Katsu, 
uh, John F.D. Taft's story, of course, Gemma Files, uh, Usman T. Maliks, and we said John Langan kind of takes the headline gig. Uh, and then, of course, Ramsey Campbell's afterward. It's, it's a hell of a lineup, man. You know, Echo Josh, yeah. like, great job. Congratulations on, Thank you. you know, seeing this thing come out in the wild in, in May. Thank you. I, I, I think people are going to like it. And, uh, you know, I look forward to, to uh, you know, my hope is really with the book that, that people will read it and be introduced to people who they're not altogether familiar with and, and yeah. dig a little deeper. Uh, because I think that, you know, like we've talked about since the beginning, really an explosion of, of really, really good writers right now working in the genre. And, uh, you know, a lot of them, you know, for whatever reason, don't get the, the notoriety or the, the number of readers' eyes that they deserve. So if this opens people up to some people that they're not completely familiar with, that's a job well done as far as I'm concerned. And, and I do hope that we'll see people in, in 15 years, in 20 years that, uh, you know, cite this book uh, and, and say it, you know, it showed me that the depths that horror can go to, the different places that I never imagined, never even thought of, oh shit, that's a horror story. Um, in the same way that, you know, you talked about how Dark Forces kind of said, this is a genre that can and should be taken seriously. So yeah. with that in mind, with this book being kind of the, the spiritual successor, uh, I would love to ask each one of you, um, beyond just Dark Forces, what is an anthology or, or a, you know, a single author book, if you like, but what is a, a book that really provided you that formative experience? And I'd like to throw it to John Langan first. Other John, yeah. Uh, Other John, too. <laughs> the anthology called The Red Evidence. Um, actually, uh, Doug Winter, uh, the, the book we were talking about earlier, Doug Winter put together an anthology uh, called Primeval. Um, and it was kind of same idea, you know, like, like let's try to, uh, I don't know if they were novelettes so much. I think most of them, um, most of them were short stories, but they might've mm -hmm. been certainly long short stories. But there were, um, David Morrell had a story in there called uh, Orange is for Anguish, uh, Blue is for Insanity, which was amazing. Um, the late Jack Cady had a story in there whose name I can never remember, which is a crime because it's a brilliant, brilliant story. Uh, there was, uh, that was the one, I think that was maybe like Thomas Ligotti. Um, that was the one story of his that kind of like, like broke to like a bigger audience, you know? And it was just, um, yeah, you know, you look at it now and you're like, oh, it's, you know, pretty white, pretty male, you know, fair <laughs> enough. Right. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a fair, you know, a, a fair criticism. But what's in there, um, uh, Stephen King had a story in there, um, uh, Tom, Tom Tessier, Peter Straub. I, I mean, it really is a kind of a snapshot of, yeah, of that's that a sort of, of, of larger generation of writers. Yeah. Well, Josh is gone. Josh left. Josh so is like, I can't. have to answer now. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. This one it's a good really... strategy. If you don't want to answer a question, just leave the <laughs> damn room. Just fucking left. I don't know what year this came out. I can find out. Hold on. But this one really did something for me. 2007, American Supernatural Tales. Um, I think it's S.C. Joshi did it. Oh, okay. That's um, but it was like chronological order, right? So let me just find this real fast. Is that a New American Library release? 
Penguin Classics. Penguin Classics, okay. So it opens with Washington Irving, Hudson Valley Gothic, and ends with Caitlin <laughs> Kiernan. <laughs> ends, ends with Caitlin Kiernan, which that story is freaking genius. And Joyce Carol Oates and Thomas Ligotti and Carl Edward Wagner, who is the other one that I brought up here, because this collection, Why Not You and I, really, really did something for me, man. In terms of, it's just a single author, but the variety of stories and the and, and the combination of like low and high and thinking low and high and oh God, I absolutely love Carl Edward Wagner. But this, this one was the one that in like 07, I had written like four novels or something. And, and this one, but this one, when I, I remember reading this and taking notes in each story and that kind of thing, like, oh my God. Or you know how like when you read short stories and then like you have your own ideas while you're reading them. And, and it's not like, oh, right. I'm gonna write right. a circus story, but maybe like one little thing in the short story and you're like, oh, I'm gonna write a story about a guy that has uh, one giant foot and one small foot, right? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and like Wait, you know, the whole list. This book was one of those for me. So American Supernatural Tales edited by S.T. Joshi, which I, I hear he's not the greatest dude, but I have no idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> edited by the dickhead S.T. Joshi. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I did not think Malamud would talk shit on air. No, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, look, I'm going to Dean Coons' house. I'm an ambassador of goodwill. I'll go to S.T.'s house. <laughs> bring, a, bring a white flag for uh, laying in. Give hand. Yeah, no, I, 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 I sort of know Joshi, and I'm going to have to like, listen, Malamud is not he is a dick, but no, come on, man. Don't, 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 no. Yeah. that he talks shit about some of our uh, peers. <clears throat> oh, there he's back. Is it my turn now? Yeah, sure. Everybody that knows me knows that I've got a like an ongoing long distance romance with Peter Straub. Yeah. And this book, uh, Houses Without Doors, oh, is. Oh, my God. Phenomenal. And when I read this, uh, it really, uh, it really stayed with me uh, <laughs> to the extent that, you know, it, it, it really showed me that horror stories don't have to really sock you right between the eyes, um, that you can read them and, and get through them. And then the horror of the story kind of slowly, as you think about the story, it kind of slowly coalesces in your mind uh, and this is a, this is a book that i go back and read i probably read this every year or at least a story within it every year so uh it was it was a pretty big influence on me john uh, that that story like the the city guide one like the yeah the, guide yeah to guide to the city yeah my yeah. god is that freaking brilliant yeah. man. And, and this is, is genius and this has uh mrs god in it too which i was gonna say that was phenomenal. that was the one i was gonna say that that yeah. that just that's the kind of thing that um yeah it it it's because it just it gets weirder and weirder yeah as, and it's, as it's, it goes and then you get and then and then it's over and then it it is like a depth charge or something right. except it's like a depth charge that keeps going off every day or two you're like whoa wait did i right. did i what he what? Uh, it's almost like straub said you want a gothic story, you motherfuckers? Here's a gothic story. Right. He's like, I'll take your Catskill gothic and I'll give you this. Look at this, you punk. Uh, but it's a, it's a great story. It's a great story and it's a great book. I highly recommend it. Yeah. yeah. Taff, I, I just ordered that on eBay, man. I don't own that. I've you will not that. be 
Hold on, hold on. I, I gotta. I know that we we all have a gazillion each, but now I gotta. This one, Charles yeah, Bell, the Hollow. Oh yeah, collection is. I mean, oh my god, this this thing is just so well. There's some like later on, and where you're like, okay, we've already peaked or something, but but it really is truly truly genius shit. I'm just real fast on the two that I wanted. Uh, Black Country. What's the one? Um, obviously the um, the Howling Man, obviously. But the what is that other one where the dude is buried with the horn? Do you know? Do you remember? Do you, do you know that one? Either of you? Any of you guys? Uh, no. Son about music. Anyway, yeah, this dude, Charles Beaumont. Whoa. Yep. <laughs> Actually, and there's another one. I'll throw out another one just uh, since I have it at hand here. Um, Valancourt has done this, the Book of World oh, Horror yeah, Stories. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, and there's a second volume that's just come out. Um, and these guys are just like, look, there's a ton of great horror stuff out there in, in places, you know, Denmark has like this thriving horror scene and they, right. they give out their own horror awards and all this kind of stuff. And it, it's just one of these deals that, you know, I don't speak Danish. Uh, I, I don't read Danish, right? So I don't know about it. Um, mm -hmm. There's a... Um, yeah, there's like all over Latin America, you know, that they're writers. So, so it's, I just think that's, I, I just think it's like the coolest thing. You know, right. I, I just, I'm never going to get through all of this stuff that's out there, you know, right. but it's like, it's just really cool to think that there are these writers who are doing these crazy things. And, um, and we're getting finally, I guess you would say, to discover a right. lot of them. Right. You know? mm -hmm. And they're like our contemporaries, you know, like, yeah. like I, man, you know, how we, the state of the world right but you know like like i, I do I, I think man you know imagine having some kind of huge gathering in the middle of europe and just being like all right come on let's all just hang out and talk horror you know right that um, sounds wonderful yeah, yeah. It does not not too practical right now but <laughs> probably not thing. let's do it but uh, or or you know central america latin america you know like like there are there are just these uh, Japan, same thing. There are just mm -hmm. these amazing writers, amazing groups of writers, and and uh, I, I just I don't know. I remember when I was a kid, when I was in in college, and I ran across like Borges and Garcia Marquez and those right. guys, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my god, I didn't know you could do this and get taught mm -hmm. in college. You know, like <laughs> like I, you know, I love Stephen King and Peter Straub, but I knew that they you know had literary merit and that right, sort of right, but. But I also remember discovering Borges and Garcia Marquez and Carlos mm -hmm. Fuentes and just being like, oh, my God, this is like the best. This is, you know, here's yeah. here, here are my people, you know. Right. And last, I'm sure. last year, Lane, your book, The Fisherman, got translated. I forget which country, but um, in Asia, what did it get translated? What language did it get translated? Oh, uh, Japanese. Yeah, Japanese, which was that was that was I, you know. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a child of the '70s and the '80s, so you know, G Force and all the Godzilla movies, and <laughs> you know, it was like such a big thrill to, to yeah. um There's, but but you know, anytime like your book gets translated into just one other language, that's right. amazing. That is like the yeah. greatest, greatest gift that anybody yeah, can yeah. give. You know, I wonder if Michael David Wilson will pick up a Japanese copy over there. Uh, yeah really really <laughs> that's seriously cool though i'm gonna yeah. rap for you man um i gotta i gotta say i'm really glad i asked that question because i don't have a single book that any of you named and i'm gonna need to order some and i can't wait to see my wife's face when they all show up in the mail she'll be so pleased. i know i know you're you're i was gonna say yeah you know. 
you might be better to just like say, no, honey, I was just ordering porn. It's fine. It's like, oh, whatever. You know. Well, thank God. I thought it was more damn books. I, I swear to God, I didn't order 20 books. <laughs> Again. Again, right. Uh, all right. So we're, we're actually going to wind down and start with the first outro question, which would be, what do you have coming out? Um, I'll go with you, Taff. What do you have coming out, sir? Uh, I've got um, I've got a story that's coming out in uh, Mark Matthews uh, Addiction Anthology, uh, Orphans of Bliss. So does Josh. Yes. Um, yes. I've got a story coming out. I, have that? In... I don't have that yet. You guys have that? <laughs> you didn't have I your copy yet? Mark, so I've got my I assume copy. Your, your copy will be free. but <laughs> I got my copy. Wait, you do? Yeah. It's on my shelf <laughs> back here somewhere. It's... Doesn't Mark live in the same state as you? Yeah, yeah. he could drive <laughs> it over here. Roll on this one, man. man I'm gonna yeah. drive it to you. I'm in Jersey. He's in Massachusetts. He's in Illinois. What's going on here, man? Like, <laughs> uh, uh, I've got a story that's going to be out in a book uh, of stories that uh, Doug Morano is uh, publishing. It'll be the first book of his out of his new uh, publishing outfit called Bad Hand Books. Nice. Um, it's called the hideous book of hidden horrors. I have a story in that. Um, I just sold a story to Sadie Hartman uh, in her uh, Human Monsters uh, anthology, and then Congrats. I've got a bunch of stuff that's being you know shopped around right now with my agents. So, uh, so that's it. That's all good stuff, though, man. Uh, Mallerman, what about you, man? Um, this just came out. Boom the Cape. Absolutely. Fantastic book. Yep. That I'm like so freaking excited about. I can talk about it for five hours in and of itself. Uh, <laughs> Daphne comes out in September, actually. And, um, and I am in a couple of those, uh, anthologies with, uh, John Taff as well. Nice. Um, I'm really excited about Bad Hand Books, by the way, John. Yeah, Doug's a great guy. Doug's a, a brilliant dude. And it, you just get a sense that because he's done like anthologies before, but he's never done something like starting a publishing house where, right. where can this go? Right. And there's a sense with Doug when he does something that it's going to keep going somewhere. So I, I feel really optimistic about everything he's doing right now. Um, yeah. So yeah. Go in the Cave, Daphne, some short stories. Oh, oh no, I'm, I'm making a movie May 1st. We're filming a movie here at my house. Here, real fast, this is what it's about, real fast. Is that it's about four like occult-minded professionals. That is this the Tenny thing? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that <laughs> Eve, they have the night off. They believe that we're just blowing off steam. We're like drinking, dancing, talking about the things that we do. Like there's a ghost hunter, there's a horror novelist, there's a creature of facts, and there's a teacher, but she's a fan of the ghost hunter anyway. So these four occult, you know, interested people. And in the course of this party, in the course of this night, the ghost hunter's like meter goes off. Not, not to simplify, but his ghost meter goes off, but it does. Something on That's him- That's not a euphemism, has, is it? I know, I was, I was just thinking, honey, my ghost meter just went off. Here, here. <laughs> Legan's naughty. <laughs> yeah, here's a sign. Goes, Something has me. risen from the grave, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Oops, ectoplasm. Okay, I just thought, man, I just thought of one that I can't say. But anyway, okay. so, <laughs> who knew it was that kind of movie? Okay, <laughs> man, That's I want the unfriendly ghost. All right, go ahead, Malaman. So, so, 
in, in amongst, <laughs> amongst all this like fun and games of these like you know like cult dish like just like professionals you know yes it's like suddenly this meter goes off and, and the ghost hunter's like hey have you guys ever like checked your own house and um the the horror novelist and his wife are like well no no our house is no, come on no no and he's like hello have you checked and so begins you know they thought they had the night off but now they're at work the four of them and it's being shot in black and white and this awesome cameraman and crew and it's here at our house at alice in my Ooh. house um nice. yeah may 1st through may 5th wow. we don't have a title yet but that's that's happening is that a awesome. shorter feature oh no no feature yeah you're shooting that in four days. Holy Five shit, days. man. Five. The first four days. Five, yeah. Patrick. The first four days were <laughs> going to be dry. First four days were dry, but because the characters are drinking on day five, I want to be drunk. Because I just, you can't, you can't fake drunk. You can, you know, That's true. That's you hard. try, but there's just these little goddamn things that you wouldn't have said or done. So look, if the last night's a bust, except for this or that moment where he or she said this, like it's worth it. So four days of let's do it dry and let's fucking try. And then on day five, like all bets are off. Let's get slammed. I, I, <laughs> I can't believe you're going to shoot a feature in five days. That's I believe in you, Mallory, but that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four days dry. And then on the fifth, you get your lubrication. <laughs> oh, back to sex. <laughs> Laying in you six pigs. <laughs> Sorry, but it just, I mean, it's right there. It's coming right across the There's plate. so many. I hold just, it. Is it now? Yeah, just coming yeah. right at you. I'm, I'm just, just gonna add splat effects, sound effects to, <laughs> <laughs> and like springs, point. <laughs> I'm gonna do that. I'm oh legit gonna God. do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna throw out that you know I I was not I had some personal stuff going on back uh, when when John Langan was on, so I was not here for john's episode but i like that you managed to build such a rapport with him that you can say things like john you sick pig <laughs> <laughs> that was I, right there was no rapport that was right from the beginning that was, how <laughs> was i was like hey there patrick and he was like shut up and i was like whoa <laughs> that wasn't rapport. that was key he does, insight he does get out of control when i don't come yeah he was he was just like brennan isn't here so i have to do this shit myself <laughs> It was just, you know, he was like, what the hell is this cat skill garbage? Uh, uh, I was like, I like the missions. <laughs> I had a good rapport, and then Brennan came in and had to bring up our uh, episode. What the hell is that about? Weird, awkward. John, what do you got coming out? Um, I'm making a movie. No. Um, <laughs> three days. An art film in three days. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you guys on drugs and not sleeping? And I film on LSD in three days. <laughs> it's a, no, um, How much I sex have, is uh, involved? Uh, that remains to be seen. It's called ectoplasm. Uh, <laughs> we will see it. Uh, there's a whole what we do in the shadows reference that I want to make that I'm not going to make. But if you've seen what we do in the shadows, you know what I'm talking about. Now I'm horny. Laszlo, okay, yeah, <laughs> helping out his ghost. Um, uh, I have a collection coming out in May, uh, a new collection called Corpse Mouth uh, and other autobiographies. Ooh. And I have um, about the same time, I think, my first collection, Mr. Gaunt, is being reissued by, oh, uh, by Word Horde along. It'll have a new story in it. Um, 
a, a little story, but a new story. And then I'll have a novella, another novella in um, Ellen Datlow's monster book, uh, whose name I can't really, oh my God, if Ellen were here, she would just like kill me. Uh, but it's funny because I'm thinking it's another Catskill gothic sort uh-huh. of thing, you I'm know, so. Expanding um, that universe, man. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I'm looking for toys next. That's what I want. Or action <laughs> figures. Action figures, as action we call figures. them. They're yeah, called action. dildos. Whoa. Oh, that was not. Wow. Okay. I'm going to Catskill action gothic figures. Um, well, are you working on a novel as well? Uh, in my head. Cool. I'm just wondering. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, no, I do, I do actually, and it'll be another freaking Catskill Gothic. Yeah, this is. <laughs> damn it, Neil. Ugh. No, no, I don't, it, it really, re- it really like sung to me. I was like, oh, and he's so I, charming. I, I just, I love the guy. I love listening. Oh yeah, to him yeah. Because he's always just like, you know, I can't do his accent. You know, hi everybody. You know, and he's just, mm-hmm. he's funny and he's witty. You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not, not that, not that you guys aren't. Oh, well. no, it's okay. I, it's out there now. No, I mean, I mean Patrick and Brennan. I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. We're what? two we're two New Englanders that don't really have an accent. We don't so have we're... accents that make us sound smart. Well, I was going to say uh, those accents we talk don't like make Ben Affleck. Smart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, yeah. We would wear dunce hats if we were back a few decades. <laughs> I don't know about weird that. weird dunce hats. Like aren't the I don't know what that would look like. Like a dunce hat is just a dunce hat. Dunce hat. I want to get a dunce hat, man. Well, but like a weird dunce hat. I'm trying to figure out. Do you mean like a wizard's hat? Would you be I like, I'm the wizard? <laughs> I don't know. Taff was against this, and now I feel stupid. I'm a, I'm a wizard, but I'm a stupid wizard. <laughs> you guys just think that I'm a stupid wizard. <laughs> I, I like that idea. The dumb Gandalf. Can you get a dunce hat on eBay? Probably you can make a dunce. You can make a dunce hat. You just take a piece of paper and just you know yeah. make, make it go. Can I just earn a dunce hat with that question? That's <laughs> entirely possible. I, I, I think that's did. some. Yeah. That's day five talk. Where can I get a dunce hat? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm looking just at the question you asked on day four. <laughs> I just oh, tried. Right. To, you can get it on eBay. <laughs> oh, 20, Twenty bucks used. <laughs> just I imagine. I imagine <laughs> Josh coming up to poor Dean Koontz and. You know, can I get a dunce hat? <laughs> oh God! Like, oh God! <laughs> Mr. Coons, I'm I'm an ambassador from the horror scene. We I feel like we haven't heard from you in a minute. You know, we I brought you. a dunce hat. Come on, <laughs> we miss you. Why do you have such a pointy hat on? <laughs> I don't think there's a shot in hell of him ever responded to that email I sent out. Like, I'm gonna his. try. What would be you great should. though is if he says to you, "Are you a wizard?" <laughs> Are you a that, is that the only? Re- is that it? <laughs> yeah, he's just like your hat. Are you a wizard? <laughs> I'm a stupid wizard. <laughs> to and which you like, say yes. You're like you uh, maybe. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You're you're just like uh, yeah, sure. And he's like, <laughs> come this way man. quickly. I've come got in. something I need you to do. <laughs> or 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 you just show up and he's like, oh, thank God you're here. <laughs> <laughs> He brings oh, you in. At a certain point, you're like, uh, Mr. Koontz. And he's like, are you not a wizard? And you're like, no, no, I'm a wizard. I'm a wizard. I just, you know, what's going on here? Is there a book being written right now? No, just just throwing it out there again. If we can get a Netflix, like, Josh and Dean Koontz, like, odd couple type show, Josh we'll watch the hell out of that. Dean Koontz needs a friend, I'm telling you. It's, yeah. it's like the, the Conan O'Brien show, but different. The show's oh. called Sad, Sad Dean Koontz. 
Sad Dean Coon. And then, then we are like, instead of us, we're like, oh, you know, I don't really read him. It's like, finally, one of us, me, it was like, shouldn't one of us reach the fuck out, you know? So I'm not, <laughs> lower me in by rope into his compound. Like in the, <laughs> a ladder from a helicopter into his compound. So I'll, I'll, I'll take care of the guy. <laughs> I'm just the thinking stuff. of Bu- Buffalo Bill, where Josh is Bill and Coons is the uh, heavier set girl. Just don't <laughs> mention his hair. Uh, why? Oh, well, I'm not mentioning his hair. Yeah, you're not supposed to mention it, Patrick. <laughs> I'm just imagining <laughs> we, uh, we can't afford a helicopter, so it's just going to be a few of us with some kind of jury-rigged pulley thing trying to lower Josh. And we're like, oh, hold on! And then we get In a dunce cap. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, where can people follow you, sir? Wow. Um, <laughs> Local park. <laughs> follow wherever, wherever. Follow me wherever Dean Coons goes. I'll be following him. Um, and just whatever. Josh Mallerman at all this, at all this stuff. There is, there, I, I think we're the only people with my last name. So it's um, whatever. On Facebook, Instagram. I don't really speak Twitter yet. I've been working on it. <laughs> like, I don't really speak. I don't really speak. <laughs> But I, that, that sense of humor, I, I, I don't know. Uh, whatever, that's a whole other... I'd love to have a whole show on, like, how the fuck do you speak Twitter? But, but um, <laughs> I am on there, but more regularly, like Facebook, Instagram, and just... and that, Oh, and my website used to be dull, but now it's not. It has an entire novel that's just sitting there for free that anybody can read. Uh, Carpenter's Farm. Carpenter's Farm. Yeah. Um, that was a really... That's a really cool project. Uh, Thanks. Taff, I got lost in a minute in so many things we've talked about. Taff, where can people follow you? <laughs> well, I do Twitter exclusively. So I don't do Facebook. I don't do Instagram. So uh, at johnfdtaff.com. I've got a website, but it's being revamped. So it's not not up and running right now. Gotcha. Uh, Langan, how can people follow you? Uh, well, I, I do Twitter and I do Facebook and Instagram. And I have uh, a WordPress thing. Uh, it's called Mr. Gaunt, the webpage for John Langan or something like that. Uh, so yeah, any of those places. Uh, I don't yet do Snapchat or TikTok, but who knows? It's probably coming. Yeah, uh, that's, that's what she said. Dancing John Langan. Wow, oh boy. Wow. Lane, you bring it out of me, man. I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, I don't want to bring. I don't want to bring it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, you, on, you did just walk into that one. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Well, I'm no. a wife, man. Back off. <laughs> Look, I'm not criticizing your life choices. Okay, That's right. uh, just hey, it's all good. Yeah. It's the new horror. <laughs> Malvin's got something for us. I've, I'm just Mal- saying, man. I don't like this is this is a good dunce camp that dunce cap that I found on eBay. It even has like a giant <laughs> key on it. And like I knew this. If I ordered this, Allison would be like, "That's like you and did." Like I could have made this. And then also, we didn't have to make this at all. But I could have made this. Oh my god! There's a postcard of a kid wearing a dunce cap. All the other kids are staring at him. Like that was a real thing. How much do they want for this dunce cap? Okay, good question. Um, the good one that I found. The good one. Just three dollars and eighty-nine cents. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. The bargain. Start, start yeah. the bidding. Start the bidding right now. And with free shipping, that's a good habit the day after tomorrow. Josh, if we have you back and you don't show up with a dunce cap, like the disappointment is gonna be palpable. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 
This is the I'm playing the long game right now. <laughs> <laughs> always leaving, always leaving them wanting to book you again. <laughs> Do you think anyone's ever used a dunce cap for foreplay? Well, <laughs> yes, I think that answer is yes. That took a turn. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, I'm starting to feel harassed here. Pat. <laughs> it's your beard, man. So <laughs> to, quote, to quote SpongeBob, I'm starting to feel harassed here, Patrick. <laughs> hey, SpongeBob, I can't do it. So, Langan, uh, do you have any final thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I can't do, any, do voices. Do I have any vile thoughts? Nothing but. It's uh, he said, oh, but <laughs> good lord, you've devolved. <laughs> oh man, I've had that horrible thought looking in the mirror. Oh, good lord, you've devolved. <laughs> Like I, I woke it up and thought that a hundred times. To hear you say that, I felt like it was like my mind out of my mind. <laughs> I've run out of whiskey. I feel like I'm going to run out of whiskey. Here's yeah. some, here's some, uh, some final thoughts. Uh, uh, John and Josh have done an amazing thing, um, and it's uh, it's a it's really great, um, and it's it's the kind of thing that that needs to happen, that needs to keep happening. Um, it gives people the chance to, as we've been saying, to, to uh, encounter some writers that they probably know, um, to, to see them maybe in a slightly different setting than they're used to in a slightly different way. Mm -hmm. And also to encounter a bunch of people uh, who may be new to them. Uh, and if you, you know, buy the book, you should buy the book. Uh, it is a fantastic cover. Uh, read, uh, read these stories and, you know, go meet some new writers. There's, um, it's true, right? One of the cool things right now, I, you know, uh, it's a community, right? People, sometimes their noses get bent out of joint and right. that sort of stuff. But by and large, it's really supportive. Um, and everybody, um, we are all pulling for each other. Yeah. You know, I, I and, and yeah, there's definitely a sense of what Josh was saying that, you know, like I see, I read Ghoul in the Cape and I'm like, you, <laughs> all right, I got that, you know. I got to up my game. I got to try it. <laughs> right. Gotta, you know, and, and that's not a bad thing. Right. Um, it's, it's good to have, it's good to have colleagues who keep you ambitious, you know, right. like, like there's nothing worse than colleagues sure. who you're like, ah, yeah, I can do that. Three chords. I gotcha. Right. Um, but, but, you know, colleagues who, who keep you on your toes and, mm -hmm. and keep you thinking, oh, let me, uh, let me push, uh, let me push ahead. So, uh, so yeah, that's a, uh, there's a sober note to end the, uh, the, the podcast on. Not me. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to blow that sober note right out of the water. Josh, what are your final thoughts? <laughs> oh my goodness. Cheers, everyone. Uh, I, I think John Langan just said it perfectly and, and uh, yeah, truly. Mr. Taff, what are yours? Mr. Mr. Black Taff, Dark Taff. Uh, yeah, just, you know, May 10th rolls around. Go out there and get the book. Take a look at it. At, read the stories. Read the stories in the order that I put them. Read the stories in whatever order you want to. But I think that uh, I think you're going to be impressed. And I think you're going to see in some small way that that horror is in good hands going forward. For sure. Brennan. I mean, I want to thank the three of you for spending Friday night with us. But uh, beyond that, I don't think anything I could add. 
I think it just pale in comparison to uh, Mr. Lang Langan's final, final words. So yeah. he can't Cheers. even say my name. He can't even <laughs> I, say my oh. name. He blew me off when I was on language. the last time. Too many, too many cheers. Oh. Too many language. Yeah, great. Oh, my God. He languished on that. Uh, what's this? Mr. Language's final words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to echo you, Brennan. Um, John, Taff, you put together. Huh? What? Blog. Now you can't say my name. <laughs> Taffy, Jesus Christ, we suck. <laughs> Taffy. Taffy. Finally, that's, that's, the moment, that's the moment I was waiting for. Right there. <laughs> the admittance. Taffy put together. Langan came on here just to get us both to quit. <laughs> well, no, no, you, can, you can keep on going as broken example, broken down. <laughs> example, what not to do? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what were you saying? I think you were complimenting me, weren't you? I was, Taff. You put together seriously a phenomenal anthology. <laughs> Thank you. Good job. Josh, the first time we had you on, it was, I'm pretty sure, the first time Brandon and I's wives said, you guys got to relax and stop fanboying before <laughs> you talk to this guy. Uh, and Langan, it was a pleasure talking to you. I'm glad that was just us because, really, do we need the other guy there? apparently not I, yep. I mean look at based on the example of this night i mean i just <laughs> i don't even i don't even know yeah evolution but in all seriousness i think that this is a great example for people that want to be writers and they don't know where to start when i started back in 2013 if i had conversations like this to listen to that would have I had spent six years spinning my damn wheels <laughs> but conversations yeah. like this would have helped me um I just want to thank all you guys, you, Brennan, uh, Josh, the Johns, and uh, listeners. Ah, the Johns. <laughs> you too. Uh, Two Johns, time. no waiting. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next, <laughs> next I want my red M&Ms. Where are my red M&Ms? They're coming. They're coming. I know that what's going to happen now is at a convention or something like that. Somebody's going to get red M&Ms from all <laughs> oh, yeah. every time they see <laughs> oh, every time They're going to be like, here you go. And I'm going to be like, all right, I got to eat the red M&Ms. Oh, it's it's a thing now. It's <laughs> oh, I, I totally. Yeah, it's, it's coming. It's coming. Yep. You guys keep saying it's coming. Someone just. <laughs> no. Okay. Next episode 141 is uh, another panel episode focusing on extreme horror with Edward Lee, Ralph James White, Kenzie Jennings, Christine Morgan, and Christopher Trent. So that will be uh, a hell of a conversation. No idea where it's going to lead, but like tonight, it will uh, certainly have laughs and some really seriously cool um, insights. And uh, as always, listeners, thank you for listening. Us. <laughs> I can't talk. I haven't even been drinking. Thank you for listening oh. to us. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I love that. As always, listeners, thanks. <laughs> I think you have a contact, uh, Ty. Yeah, that sounded like a Sesame Street thing, man. I was like, listeners, thanks for listening. And also, listeners, he's drunk as a skunk. I mean, it's, it's just, it's an embarrassment. I mean, before I, you sign out, Patrick, please give us problem. the letter of the day. Please don't edit that out. That was, that was so good. Or if you do edit it out, send me the cutting room floor a little bit. I'm going to keep it because that was funny. Um, the letter of the day is fuck. Uh, thank you for listening to this fucking episode. Good night. Good <laughs> night, everyone. Good night. Good night, everybody.